Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Developing the Leader Within podcast. I'm your host, Enrique Acosta-Gonzalez, and I am here with Mila the, the Chant. And I want to tell you that we're going to be diving into a, a topic that's uh, normally shied away from, right? Because, you know, what is relationships in the, work, in the workspace or in the workplace, right? Uh, so today we'll be covering leadership and relationships. And so Mila, thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing your time and all the things that you're about to share. Thank you for having me, Enrique. It's such a pleasure to be on your show and thank you for having me. Outstanding. Well, I, I want to get into this because we can go for a while, right? They talk about leadership and relationship. There's so many different facets to that but I want to get right into uh, the differences, right? Because there's a lot of people that assume that because there's a position that they are a leader. Uh, and just because you're filling it, I don't know, right? Uh, we've had different uh, experiences. Uh, then there's the actual practice. So let's talk a little bit about the differences between the position of a leader and the actual practice of a leader. Right. So there's always a fallacy, right? People often think um, if I get that title, then I'll be a leader. If I get that CEO title or manager, if I have five people under me, I become a leader. Oftentimes people use that position, that title as an identity marker. And a position does not make you an immediate leader, right? Leadership is based on your mindset and your heart set and how you embody and practice and show. It's a reflection of your practices. You, you practice what you preach, right? And this is inherently present in a lot of organizations where you see your managers or middle management or even C-suite level leadership, right? You can have the title of CEO, but you're not really being a people success partner. So in my line of work, I always tell uh, the clients in my work with or the organizations that I work with that are two differences, right? You can have the title as a manager or you can have the title as a director or a CEO and, and not really be a success partner for your people or for your team members. Then I have on the different section, on the right section as a people success partner. Under this title, right, people success partner, you can be a manager, you can be a director, you can even be a peer, a fellow peer, right? You don't have any titles. You can be a marketing specialist. People success partners are people who identify the strengths and the goodness in your other teammates and open up opportunities and say, hey, I see that you're really great in this. Now, do you want to take on this project? Do you want to be part of this, right? Identifying what they are really good at and creating that space for them to grow, creating that space for them to shy and leaving our own egos aside, right? Most of the time when you look at 
managers, oh, I'm a manager, I'm a director, I'm a CEO. When you have that ego, oftentimes the practice reflects you are beneath me. You do exactly what I tell you to do. This is your job scope. If you do A, B, C, or X, Y, Z, then we will consider or consider promoting you, right? But a people's success partner is someone who cultivates that relationship, cultivates that trust, right? Cultivates that space, leaving ego aside and saying, okay, I see what you can do. Let me lift you up. And, and providing that opportunity. So, and that correlates with, you know, when you're in an organization, everyone talks about what's the professional development? Uh, how can I, you know, develop someone's career? So a people success partner is someone who develops, not only develops a person as a person, but as a professional and looks at the whole paradigm or at the whole lens from a widened lens. So those are the two differences. You can be a manager or you can be a leader who barks at people, or you can be a leader who wants to be a true success partner. So those are the two differences I want to highlight. That's uh, amazing because when you think about the just the, the word people, success, partner, people comes first. And so what oftentimes happens in leadership is that they come first. The position comes first, not understanding that that position wouldn't be there if it weren't for people. So that's so, true. You, you know, you switch it around you put the priorities in place by naming them, right? A naming convention that goes, what's first? Well, people, then what? Their success, why? Because I'm their partner. Now I came into the whole thing as, as, as uh, the way it should be. And I love people's success partner. Um, how do I, as a leader, adopt that as a you know as a mantra as a as a thought pattern so that i can adequately put into place the hierarchy of my mission as a leader mm -hmm. so well i had to start somewhere right i had to learn from difficult ways i will i didn't start as a people success partner right it took me it took me 20 years to adopt this mindset. It took me 20 years to learn, 28 years to learn, right? Because we learn from our mistakes and mistakes are actually opportunities for us to grow and to approach from a different perspective, right? One of the things I often tell people is that it's not me versus you. It's not me, us versus them. It is all of us collectively, right? Let's look at the ecosystem, for example, right? For a plant to grow effectively, you need every other variable, sunlight, you need rain, the pH balance of the soil, what type of soil, what kind of environment, is there pollution or no pollution, right? The kind of animals that pee or poop on it, right? That's fertilizer, humans, the kind of energy, the words that you give around a plant, plants can hear, right? They can feel. So every variable in its surrounding contributes to the growth of the seed. That is exactly 
how I see adopting the mantra or being a people's success partner. It's just not you. It's about you being in an environment that continuously challenges you to rethink your thought paradigm, your, the paradigm of your actions, you know, what you have been taught your life all this while, whatever that you see on the telly, constantly challenge yourself and tell yourself, my success is other people's success, right? In order to build a home, you can't just say, oh, I'm gonna build everything. You need a team, right? Without a team, you can't have a shelter over your roof. So it's slow process. Sometimes you can, you, you know, you can fail and, and flip and say, oh, today I was not really being a success partner, but that's fine. You know, the whole point is to acknowledge I didn't do so well today. Tomorrow is another opportunity to, for me to do better. So the mantra is always to, it's not us versus them, it's us collectively. How can we come together as a collective one? So always reminding and always challenging that I will do better to lift someone else up. Because we want to think about what kind of legacy do we want to leave for other people to thrive in? Yeah, I love that because uh, I just had spoke about legacy a couple of weeks ago. And uh, specifically, when you talk about acknowledgement, that is the very first spot where, and the very first step for any leader to see where they go from there, right? You have to acknowledge what is currently happening. And sometimes we just you know, create a mirage for ourselves. Like everything's working just, just fine. I'm doing a great job. You know, my people are doing their, their job. Uh, so I must be doing a great job. <laughs> and it's, it, you have to be able to get to a place where reflection is part of your daily system and you get to acknowledge some things, even if that acknowledgement uh, says you're not doing such a good job. Right, so I, I love that. Um, let's talk a little bit about diversity and inclusion, which is you. You know, you you're you're Miss Hardship, right? <laughs> diversity <laughs> culture. Uh, so I, I want to dive into a little bit about about that because that does dictate a lot of the successes of relationships. Yeah. So, oh, diversity and culture isn't. A very new term right I know it's been trending for the past few months but it has been trending for decades for aeons right because when we look at a very nuanced from a nuanced lens let's look at the whole globe for instance right there's so many different types of people around the world when I say so many different types of people I'm talking about their thought processes right the way that they do things, the way they speak, the way they express, the way they love, the way they execute, the way they strategize, right? And this is all correlated to their culture. When I say culture, I'm not lumping everyone as, oh, people from Iran practice a certain way, people from England practice a certain way. Even within a culture, it's so nuanced, right? My neighbor, your neighbor in America, so for example, if you're living in Georgia, your neighbor next door has got a different culture than you, right? So I'm looking at that from a really eagle, eagle view or perspective. 
that kind of diversity is so present in our current work landscape. We have the most diverse kind of workplace right now. Ethnicity-wise, nationality, cultural background, identity-wise, right? Um, work etiquette, thought processes, educational and age as well. We live, oh my God, in the most diverse generational uh, era right now. We have got the baby boomers, we've got the X generation, the Zennials, the millennials and the Z generation, right? With this diverse population, it is so crucial and we need to adopt our workplace, how we execute. We need to adopt a new paradigm of work culture that integrates diversity in every facet of our practice, where it shapes and continuously reshapes and challenges the kind of culture that we are creating. Um, so that's what is happening right now, right? It's just not in the US. A lot of the times people think, oh, we live in the US, you know, uh, we don't need to worry about that. But look at how many different nations like people from different nations are coming into the u.s how our companies are going global even though we are working remotely our companies our organizations a lot of organizations have global headquarters in different parts of the world so different culture different work out here intersects each other so it's so important to embrace that diversity right it can be challenging to us and and sometimes we adopt the narrative of oh but it has always been done this way. We don't need a new thing to do. Or do not fix when something is not broken. How do you know when something is not broken when you've not touched it for years, right? So those are some of the things that we need to continuously challenge, but challenge respectfully and adopt respectfully. Because sometimes I know, even, even as a DEI strategist, right? I, I've been working on DEI for 20 years now. And from different parts of the world, it, when I implement diversity uh, programs or actions or strategy, I need to approach it from a very strategically mindful and respectful manner. Because change, change, when we implement change, it takes six months to a year for someone to get acclimated to change. I'm going to give you an example. When you move into a new neighborhood or when you move to a new country, it doesn't take you three months to get acclimated. It takes you three months to finally know, okay, which roads can I take to get somewhere? Within that three to six month window is when you really establish who your community is, who your friends are. From six months to one year is when you truly feel, okay, I feel as though I have moved in, I know I have adopted, I'm living here. So we have to use that same concept when we are introducing or, or integrating diversity or even building a new culture at workplace, right? Because it involves people, it involves people's heart, it involves people holistically because sometimes people think, oh, change is coming, they're gonna displace me, right? When someone feels that, threat, it results in the loss of trust, loss of uh, transparency, right? They feel as though they are not valuable. And when someone does not feel as though they are valuable, the way that they are engaging, the engagement rate drops. 
when the engagement rate drops, most of the time, individuals often think, okay, I'm going to move to a different company. And you lose a great candidate or a great team member. So when we look at diversity, we need to look at the holistic approach as to how do we build relationships, right? As a leader, how can I build heartful relationships with people coming in, current people in my organization? Because relationships are, are a lot of effort. Think about your spouse, think about your partner, right? If you're married for 10 years or five years or 20 years, Think about how many fights you've had, how many disagreements have you had. Think about how many times you've had disagreements and then you've realized and reflected, oh yeah, we have grown, I'm a different person now. That's exactly how we need to adopt the workplace as well. Yes, our, some organizations and some leaders argue that, oh, well, my team members are not my family. Yes, I agree that they're not related by blood, but they're still your family, right? Because they are coming together to build not only your company's success, but contribute to your success as well. And as a leader, we need to understand that your vulnerability is so important because when you have that vulnerability, right, when you have that transparency, I always say this to leaders or potential organizations who want to be candidates, who want to be leaders, right? It's so important to build on that four T's to to build that relationship piece when you want to bring that diversity and, and have a really good culture, it's having that transparency, right? Transparency is about what is going on. What is going on in the organization, how change is coming, not just by sending out one memo, right? Like one email, read this email, but really having that real-time conversations. What are your concerns? Like having that dialogue and invest the time. Time is not within one week or two weeks, right? Just think about how long did you take to date that person or, or you know, how much time do you invest in becoming better? I'm not saying it takes 10 years, but at least invest the time, right? Don't say, I'm too busy. I don't have time on my calendar. Invest the time in your people. When you invest the time and when you have transparency, it builds trust. That's the third T, right? Build that trust with people. Be vulnerable as leaders. We need to be vulnerable. We can't say, I'm the boss. I am going to drink my tea and not have that conversation. But have the trust. You build that trust with other people. That's also part of diversity as well. Have real honest conversations. If there's a conflict, conflict, humanize those conflicts. Do not defame someone else just because someone else disagrees with you. That's also built on the diversity piece as well and builds on what kind of a culture that you're promoting. And the last T is transmission, right? Transmission as to, you know, how am I creating and strategizing and transmitting and, and you know, having programs from one person to the other person. How am I transmitting certain things from one candidate or one team member to the other to make them feel enabled, empowered, and truly feeling part of the organization because when we build real true relationships as a leader with other team members they feel empowered they feel enabled and when they feel empowered and enabled they contribute to your organization they grow as a professional they grow as a great person personally as well and they get placed 
a lot of people do not think that how they are impacted at work impacts them out of work. When you have a confident team member at work, imagine the kind of confidence that will go into their personal life at home, in your community, in your volunteer work, and be a citizen of whichever country that they can contribute to. So as leaders, when we build that trustworthy, great relationship at work, it impacts them as a great citizen for the nation as well. So diversity from a very <laughs> eagle's view. Yeah, no, I love that. And and um, as you were talking earlier, I had, I, I was just envisioning uh, leaders and the time they take to establish relationship. Um, I immediately thought of, and this is kind of funny, but I thought of our beds. Out of the entire complement that you have furniture-wise in your home, there are, uh, and, and even clothes, there are two things that you should really be spending your money on. Number one is your shoes, because you're going to be, you use them all day long. Number two is your bed. And what are the, what are the, because you spend eight hours, if not a little more <laughs> on the bed. Uh, and so the two areas that we try to go cheap on is usually our shoes and our beds. <laughs> we try to get the sale for the cheapest thing, but and and it's and if we had the best bed they, that, that this world can offer, we would get the best sleep, which will translate to the best moods, <laughs> which would translate to better relationship. I mean, we don't take care of the things that will eventually bring us value. We try to go cheap on them and we try to go cheap on relationships at work and expect heavenly sleep <laughs> results. And so right. uh, uh, you, you, you have to take the time. You mentioned the four T's. You have to take the time because when you take the time, you build the trust, right? And that's all through your transparent uh, execution of your leadership skills, uh, which end up in transmission. I was one uh, that was under a certain scenario. Uh, now I've told myself, hey, limit the amount of, of, of times you mentioned this because you know it's become part of a part of my talks. Um, there was a leader, subordinate worker type relationship that was volatile. It was toxic. Um, they, uh, there was no time investment. Uh, there was no trust. Uh, there was no transparency for sure. And it transmitted unto me where it was part of my daily talk. And, and it's kind of what I, I speak of when I talk about leadership is the conversations that are had at the dinner table. Usually it isn't Hey, baby, how you doing? Oh, great. Yeah, it was nice. Oh, I did this. I did that. No, you're like, I had a hard time at work. If I spent one more day at that office, <laughs> you know, it, and so they, it becomes part of your dinner talk and it's, it's unfortunate, right. uh, but yeah. it's, it's the relationship thing. <clears throat> right. And to add to your point, because what you mentioned just now about having a really good <laughs> bed to sleep on, right? 
sleep is the most essential to your point. Sleep is so essential, right? And to your point, it defines your mood, right? It makes people sick. Sometimes if you lack sleep, you come with a migraine, right? If you lack sleep. And and I want, to, I want listeners out there to understand, taking time to learn about your people, taking time to understand your teammates, uh, is so important, right? I, I spoke with one CEO um, of a company. The first question that he always asks his teammate is, how do you sleep, right? If someone lacks the sleep, they are in no capacity to make an educated decision of strategy or what needs to be signed off, right? And not only that, you know, it's so important to learn about your people as to what's going on at home, right? Sometimes fights happen, sometimes deaths happen, right? Deaths happen, and not only that, it's if your people, they are not empowered, when I say empowered, not just giving them projects to do or promoting them, but it's also about paying them well, right? Having, investing time and also investing the transparency as to, you know, having that transparency as to what, understanding how much are they getting paid? How much work are they doing? If you're not getting paid and the workload is too much, understand, understand how are they surviving at home, right? We talk about work-life balance a lot. Work-life balance is just not about you work for 30 hours, you go home and have a fun time. Work-life balance is also about can your team member have a sustainable life? Can they afford to buy a home? Can they afford rent? Can they afford rent, bills, groceries, and have a little bit of cushion money to go on a holiday, right? That's how you build those relationships, right? A lot of people talk about being loyal, but loyalty comes from the four T's as well, right? Taking the time, being transparent, having that trust and transmission as well. So when we want to talk about leadership, the kind of leadership that we really need to adopt with urgency is hardship, right? Really leading from the heart. And you practice and preach this as well, Enrique. And, and relationship building is so essential, even when we have conflicts. So many people do not want to humanize conflicts. When there's a conflict, people often think about, let's get them out of the team, let's get them out of the company, it's going to be damaged to the company. You don't immediately divorce your spouse when you have a fight. You don't immediately kick your child out when you have a fight with your child. You don't immediately break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, right, when you have a fight. Or with your parents, you say goodbye, I'm done with you. You take your time, you reflect, you come back, you learn to the points earlier I said, reflection, right? To be a great leader is not an overnight. You understand what's going on if there's a conflict, you reflect, and you try to understand from both parties' perspective. And that's one of the facets of building a great relationship as well as humanizing conflicts. Yeah, because the fact of the matter is that people go through stuff. And, and then yeah. they, they, they bring uh, years of uh, conditioning. They bring years of sometimes abuse. They bring years, they bring their history into your company. And if you don't take time to, you don't need to know everything, but you need to know enough that at the first uh, 
you know, onset of a blowout, you know, a full on, you're not saying, hey, you're out of here. Um, obviously, it's unprofessional. It must be addressed or whatnot. But it has to be investigated as to that there may be a condition that is at home right now. And you need to see what you can do based on your abilities and your resources as an employer to say, hey, this is, we can't do everything, but this is what we can do. And I hope that this helps mitigate, this helps uh, fill in the blanks. Maybe you need some time away. You know, let's say you got some time, let's give you that time. You know, this, these are all relationship type of activities that allow for that trust factor and that loyalty factor that you spoke about not too long ago to arise within someone to say, you know what? I might not be happy specifically with the job I have or the mundaneness of this and then the other, but this company is worth hanging around and, and me learning what it is to, to get to overcome these obstacles that I feel it's not the best because they are worth it. They're investing in me. They're giving me their best and I'm about to give them my best. And, and those relationships are strengthened by the actions of the leaders. And so when you negate relationship, you negate the power of the ability a leader has to not only develop folks, but to develop themselves. And so I, I, I love that. Let, so let's talk a little bit about hardship because you, you know both you and I are uh, all about humanizing and, and heart-centered mm -hmm. leadership. And, um, and then we'll, it will end with that, but the heart is at the center of everything that happens that it's a human. Yeah, so I call it hardship, right? And not leadership. Um, hardship is the new way of leading. Hardship is the now of leading and creating. And it is the catalyst to creating a sustainable, innovative, evolving culture for a human. Because when we want to look at a human, <clears throat> we have to look them from a three-pronged perspective, right? How they are at home and how that impacts them at work, how that impacts them in their society. Everything is co-related, right? So when we have the opportunity to contribute to the success of our people, right? Because people spend a lot of time at work, 70 to 80% of their awake time, they are at work. Why do they come to work? Number one, most importantly, number one is to earn a living, right? A lot of the times, I've heard organizations say, oh no, I don't want someone who, who's here for the money. Everyone is here for the money. Even you as a leader, as a CEO, as a hiring manager, you're here for the money because without the money, you will not have a roof over your head, right? Everyone is here for the money. So we need to eliminate that narrative from our minds, right? And say, no, everyone is here for the money. So let's look at the second thing. We need to understand, right, how they function if we pay them effectively. Let's not say, oh, for your skill, I'm going to pay you 
Also, please understand the, how living standards have improved, uh, have not improved, um, have the, the rate has increased, right? Rent has increased. Grocery shopping, oh my God. I went grocery shopping the other day, it was $150. And I was thinking, what did I buy, right? <laughs> so you have to consider and really look at your human from a holistic perspective. And that's what hardship is about, right? When you are welcoming someone to your organization, we as leaders, we have got the opportunity to make an impact and become industry leaders. A lot of organizations are talking about how can we become industry leaders in diversity and culture? And I keep on telling a lot of organizations, it's not rocket science. If you want to become industry leaders, you need to understand your people from an extended lens. From a humanistic perspective, right? You hire someone, not because they have got 20 years of experience, not because they are the top candidate. How can someone become top candidate when you've not given them a chance to become a top candidate, right? A top candidate can be someone from your perspective as this is the person who will, who will do exactly what I tell them to do right? It's about changing your mindset. It's about coming from the heart. How can I empower this person to be their best at the current state that they are in? How can I give them a life? And when I say a life, how can they sustain themselves outside of work? How can they come to an environment and become their best, be their best, contribute their best, right? And also prepare them to be, if when the time is right for them, if, when the time is up, how can I be the bridge for them to bridge when they're done to their next level? That's what hardship is about. It's not just about I'm hiring you, I'm giving you this much of money, you do what I say. Hardship is about leading from the heart for other beating hearts, right? Because when someone's heart is not beating, they are dead. Do we want dead people around? We don't. So hardship is about leading from the heart, remembering how can we make that person's heart beat stronger and better? The difference between transactional employment and transformational employment, right? Uh, right. It's, uh, you, should, you should be able to truly develop and become a, a, a butterfly with the environment that you're working in, right? Yeah, you don't wanna be in a cocoon all your time while you're working uh, because you're hiding from this, that, and the other. Uh, the environment should be where we uh, improve and encourage and foster growth and development from our people. That's, that's when you're gonna get loyalty, folks. So uh, Mila, thank you so much for the time that you've shared with us, all the comments and the dialogue. If someone were to try to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Oh, sure. So I'm on Twitter and on LinkedIn. You can find me, Mila Dechant, D-E-C-H-A-N-T. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm happy to connect, happy to speak with you. I always love having conversations. So if you want to have virtual tea, I'm up for that too. Outstanding. Hey, folks, there's a lot of good tea out there. So you would take her up on it. Uh, I'll be sure to put all that information at the bottom of the video as part of the video as well. So Mila, thank you so much for your time again. And everybody know how we end the show, success to you.
Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you.